Well, last Sunday, I preached a message about all the different things, all the hearts across here. And I kind of ended my message with this one heart right here. And it was God asking you to be his, be mine. So God's heart is that he wants you to be his. Whenever we look at the heart of God, I, wanna, I just want to continue my message from last week. Last week I talked about heartbreak and we shared some of the things in our lives, my, mine and Sandy's life. And I want to talk about the heart of God today, heartbreak the heart of God. Whenever we begin to look at God, we begin to try to figure out who is God and how does he see things. And so I ended with this scripture last week, Matthew 6, It says this, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And I had all of these hearts up here and all the different areas of life that we're trying to juggle. And I said, if we juggle one thing, God, we can do that. If we take care of God, God will help us take care of all the other areas in our life. And so I began to think about God, and this week he impressed upon me his heart. And so today I want to do more teaching than preaching. How many of you know that we need good, solid, foundational teaching? We need to see truth the way God sees it. And so I realized that in my relationship with Sandy, when we first started getting together, she was 12, I was 13, okay? You got to understand that. And so we'd talk on the phone, and it wasn't very long till at the end of the conversation, Sandy would say these three words, I love you. And my response as a 13-year-old jerk, you know, I said, okay, bye. I did. For several months, she'd end the conversation, I love you. Okay, bye. Hang up. Until one conversation. She said, I love you. I said, I love you too, bye. She told me later, she says, I could not believe what I heard. Did he actually say he loved me? Or was it just my imagination? And so I realized that in our relationship with God, the first thing that we need to do is to say, I love you, right? I love you. He becomes your savior. He saves your heart. He saves your soul. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. When we are his and he is ours, I love you. It's a wonderful thing to say it. God says to you, I love you throughout his scripture. But he's waiting for us instead of going, okay. He's waiting for us to say, I love you too. So the first thing we've got to do is begin to say it. He is my savior. He is my Lord. Wait a minute, that's two different things. We want him to be our savior, but here's where we struggle with him being Lord. Him being Lord. So today I want to talk about some hermeneutical principles. Hermeneutics is when you study the word of God. And there are principles that you must use in order to rightly divide the word of God. 
Now, a lot of you in your jobs, I've talked with an engineer this week. In engineering, they have principles they must engineer things by. You cannot break those principles. If you do, the engineering will not work. There's other areas in life. There are principles. There's things. Teachers have principles that they have to teach by. All these areas in life have set principles. I talked with a CPA this week. There's principles they go by. I've talked with a pharmacist this week. There's principles that they must go by and not break. In studying the Word of God, there are principles that God has placed. Here's how you study. One of the principles is the principle of first. First. God is a big deal about first. We need to look at the book of Genesis. He made the first man and the first woman. And he told them, you can have all of this that you see. But I have one thing reserved for me. Don't touch it. It's mine. Well, guess what they did? They touched it. They ate from it. They disobeyed. And so they got to pay. So sin comes in, separates man from God. Why? Because they touched God's stuff. His first Throughout the word of God, you see the process. We see that uh, Joshua comes on the scene. And so God says, I'm going to give you 10 cities, but the first one is mine. First. So they take over Jericho. You know, the walls fall, they collapse. They go in and God said, everything is mine. If you read the story, you find there's a man by the name of Achan. And so he takes some things, he digs a hole in his tent, buries it, nobody knows it's there. Not even his wife, kids, no one. And so the next town is a little town with two letters, A-I. And so they have this big, huge victory from Jericho. Now they march. This little town's not going to stand in our way. We're going to obliterate it. They go over to Ai and they are defeated. Ai beats them and they run back and they go, God, what happened? And God said, You've sinned. You touched my stuff. And so they began to cast lots, figure out who it was. And all of a sudden they came down and they found the, the tribe and they found the family. And now this guy named Akins is there. And they go, hey, you have some, some of God's stuff? No, no, no. They say, yeah, you do. So they go and find it in his tent. So when I was a youth pastor, here was how clever I was with my message. So I talked about faking Aiken because he was faking it. I didn't do it. But then when they found it, he was quaking Achan. He was shaking in his boots. Well, not only when they found it, they took Achan, his wife, his kids, all of his animals, all of his possessions, built a big bonfire, and they burned everybody and everything. Then he was baking Achan. I was a youth pastor. I, didn't, I was just trying to get this thing working. But God has a big deal about first. So he sent his first and only son to die on the cross for you and me so we can have life and have it in abundance. We find that when Cain and Abel come along in the, in the life of Adam and Eve, they, they begin to come before God and, and God says, hey, I want you to bring an offering to me. And, and so Cain, ah, I'll throw a bone to God. I'll bring some stuff. Here's some vegetables. Here you go, God. Well, Abel comes in with the very best of the best, the first without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. This is my best. I'm bringing it to God, my best. And so God accepts Abel's and he denies Cain, right? Because Cain is messing with God's 
stuff. This is serious. God is all about first. And you know what he put inside of you and me? That drive to be first. We want to win, don't we? I want to win. That's why you keep score. Because somebody wins and somebody loses. We never celebrate second place. We don't remember who won second place in most events. We know who won first place. The principle of first. So the first thing we do is we say, I love you. Then after you say, you've got to obey. Obey. This means I now have to act like, prove that what I say is true. So this last week was Valentine's week and hopefully all you guys and all you girls did something besides just saying I love you. You did something to show your significant other that you love them, right? I mean, you bought some flowers, you bought some candy, you cooked a steak on the grill, you took them out to dinner, you did something that proves I love you. You obey because you say. And so we begin to obey the word of God. We begin to look at all these things. God is serious about first. So we have all these instances in the Old Testament. Then we come to this prophet named Malachi. This dude is bold. He is strong. He is not the type of preacher that's going to make you happy. He's the kind of preacher that's going to get right all up into your face. Get in your business. And so we know this passage, Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 10. But here's what I want you to see. I want you to see principles today. Here's what it says. I, the Lord, say it with me, do not underline that, highlight it, write it in your notes. I, the Lord, do not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God has this principle of first, and guess what? He is not going to change. We think God changes with our culture. God does not change. So read the rest of it. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. God is so merciful. Aren't you glad for that? Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Here's what God says. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. Wait a minute. God has all things, right? How do you take something from God if he's omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient? But you ask, how are we robbing you? Here's what he said. In tithe and offerings. You have Malachi what? He says, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. There, there may be food in my house. And here's the only place in the word of God, God says this, test me. Test me. Test me. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. We want that, don't we? But we forget that God does not change. 
first is a big deal to God. Why? It's His. It's His stuff. And so when you study the Word of God, you've got to understand the principle of first. But then you have to understand, and I want you to hear this, the indicative imperative motif. That's a principle in studying the Word of God. It is from Genesis to Exodus and all the way through Revelation. The imperative indicative motif which says this, if we do something, obey, then God in response will do something. It's throughout the Word of God. This is the only way God works. I, the Lord, do not change. This is how God works. If you want something, you have to ask for it, right? Ask and you shall receive. He says, if you draw close to me, then I will draw close to you. Every instant in the word of God, that's why it's a principle, it doesn't change. We obey, God responds every time. It is not that God does it first and then we go, oh, okay, thank you for all the blessings. No, God's saying, you've got to say it, then obey it. Say it, obey it. Because how many of you know that just saying I love you is not enough? Here's what he also says. The first word on the slide on the screen today says what? I mean, come on, wake up. Here we go. What does it say? Bring. This is a teaching classroom today, so we are going to have interaction. Bring. We have a misunderstanding when it comes to giving and bringing. Giving versus bringing. We use these semantics when we take up the offering. Say, are we, ready to, are we ready to give? But I want you to understand the difference between giving and bringing. When God talks about the tithe, he said bring the whole tithe and offerings. So the tithe we know in, 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 the, in the literal means 10%. So 10% of everything that we have, just like at Jericho, God said, Jericho's mine. I'll give you the other nine cities, but the first city is mine. The, the first of everything that we have is not ours. So don't think it is. It's not yours and it's not mine. It's God's. So you don't give something to somebody when it's already theirs. Where's Corey at? Corey, where are you at? I want you to bring me $20. I'm always the one giving. Today, he brings. Now, do you know why Corey brought me $20? Because I gave it to him earlier. It's not his. It's mine. So he cannot give me $20 because it's not his to give. He has to bring me $20 because it's mine. So when we bring our tithe, we are not giving. We are bringing because we only get into giving 
when it becomes ours to give. If it's God's, we bring. If it's ours, we give. So the first 10% is not given, it's bringing. He said, bring into the storehouse your tithe and your offerings. So we get hung up on the, the tangibles. I mean, we get hung up on this. This is the only place, this is the principles that God deals with. Do you know that there are more scriptures about money than there are about prayer? And how many know we should pray? The Bible says that prayer is the key to the kingdom of God. So prayer is vitally important. And as Christians, we're all challenged to pray. Oh, hallelujah, praise God. Boy, I pray, man, I, I, I bring it when I pray. Hallelujah, man, I bring it. Yeah. You know what's more important to God than prayer? More important to God than worship. It is not what we say, it is what we obey. You can say you love me all you want to, but until you show me, until you obey and put into actions, it doesn't matter to me. That's the way God views this. If you love me, then you will obey my decrees. He said, these people, he said, you, you've left my decrees. You've walked away from me. Why? Because you've taken what was mine and kept it for yourself. We've got to understand principles. God does not change. So here's how he's looking at this today. He says, you can, you can, you can say you're worshiping me, lift your hands, shout, do all the things you want to do. But the way I understand love is by the way you obey. Obedience is better than sacrifice. So we have to obey and then we do what? Put God to the test. He didn't say test me when it comes to healing. Test me when it comes to worship. Test me when it comes to prayer. But he said this, test me when it comes to seeing how faithful I will be to you when you obey me in love. When you show me the love that I've shown you by your actions. So we say it, we obey it, and then we weigh it. We have to weigh this thing out. W-E-I-G-H. Weigh it out. How many of you know that our words should have weight to them? I went to a courthouse this week for a wonderful time of an adoption of a little baby. We were so excited for this family in our church. It was wonderful. And afterwards, the, the judge's words carry weight. He was able to declare that this child is going from this family to this family and they changed the name of the child. It was awesome. We were all crying, tears of joy. It was wonderful. Why? Because somebody with authority who has weight to their words decreed it to be true. And now it is law. God's words have weight. We come into his presence and we have to weigh out our obedience. Weigh it out. Look at this, Luke 6, 38. I know, Pastor, you've been talking about Old Testament. Let's bring New Testament. We're not under the law, we're under grace and mercy, right? Luke 6, 36 says what? Give. Wait a minute. 
I thought we were bringing. You see, the New Testament assumes we've already learned the lesson of bringing, and now we moved into the level of giving. Because you cannot give if at first you don't get the 10% brought. So you can't say, well, I gave in the offering if you didn't meet the 10% minimum. You only give after you give the 10%, bring it in, then you give anything above and beyond it. That becomes an offering to God. I've had it preached for years that everybody has to give the same amount. Remember those crazy, I've been in those crazy meetings where they'll say, uh, we need all the people to stand up that's going to give $10,000 to this today. You have two people stand up. I'm giving 10000 then you have five people stand up for a 5,000 and then it gets to 1,000 and 500, then it gets down to $10. And I'm like, how embarrassing. You know, now yet some people feel with pride, look what I'm doing. Some people going, ah, I don't have very much. God's system is not about equal giving. God's system is about equal sacrifice. Because he doesn't say you've got to all give 10,000 or 5,000 or 1,000 or 100 or 10 or whatever. He says all of us have to give 10% because it's not yours, it's mine. The first is mine, 10%. Don't touch it, don't mess with it. Because if you do, you are under a curse. And everything you have is cursed. I don't want the curse of God on my life. I want the blessings of God on my life. Who determines that? I determine that. You see, everything that I preached last week, God is either or. He is Lord or He is last. You are saved or you're a sinner. It is Broadway or the narrow way. It's either or with God. It is black, it is white. It is truth, it is a lie. And so we now get to determine how much we give. So we bring the 10%, that's God's, not yours. He brought it to me because it was mine. I asked him to do it and he obeyed. Now, when it comes to giving, here's the scripture, Luke 6, 38, it says this, give, again, the indicative imperative motif, right? Give and what? It will be given to you. A good measure Pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with, say it, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So, I'm going to measure out to God. There's my giving, Lord. I'm going to give. Measure it out. Now, if I measure out with this, is God going to pour out with this? I want you to get the same way you measure, God measures back. So when God goes to measure back in my life, how's he going to measure? This. That's how God gives. We're talking about giving now, not bringing. We bring the 10%, done deal. But now I want giving. I want more blessings in my life. So this is how I measure out. So then if I go, wait a minute, I'm going to give more. So if I measure out with this, is God 
going to measure back with this. No, he's going to measure back with this. But you know what? In my prayer life, I want God to measure back with this. God, I need your healing. God, I need my kids to be saved. God, I need your blessings of peace and joy and strength in my home. God, I, the word of God says you'll pour out. Well, we got to pour in or he won't pour out. So now I'm moving up to this one. I'm learning. I'm learning this principle because you see, God does not change. So now I'm going to learn how to give like this. Hallelujah. Because I begin to understand that God doesn't change in the same way he, I measure in, God measures back. I had a guy in one of my churches. Well, actually, he wasn't in my church. He was in the town that I pastored. And he came to me one day in my office. He said, he said no, Pastor, I'm never going to come to your church. And I'm never going to be in your worship service, and I'm never going to be a part of your church in any way. He said, but I understand God. Now, this man was not considering himself a born-again Christian. But he knew there was a God, and he understood God. And he said, I have a business. He owned the, the local mortuary and the, uh, the monument company there in town, one of them. And he said, I, I understand this about God, that the way I measure to him, he will measure back. And so what I want to do is I want to bring my tithe and give my offering and I was sitting there thinking, wow, this guy has more wisdom than most of our church people. He said, I want to bring my tithe and give my offering to your church. And the way I do it is I want to give what I want to make the coming year. I'm not going to give on what I'm making. I want to give on what I want to make. And for eight years in a row, he would come back to my office the next year and bring in the amount. He said, Pastor, look at what I gave last year and look at what I made this year. And it was amazing how to the penny it was of how God measured back. Now this God tell you, I'm not a Christian. I have learned that God honors his principles no matter who does it. So many times we think, well, God's blessing me because I'm such a holy Christian. No, God's blessing you because you're understanding the principles of God. How many know that we're not worthy of anything God gives us? But every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. And so if I learn that this is how I measure, then that's how God's going to measure. I'm learning some things. Now, I'm going to step up because, hey, I want God to measure. So now I'm coming in going, hey, God, You've blessed me with a little. I'm going to bless you with more. You come in and go, man, pastor, just give me opportunities. I want to be able to get because I know that's how God measures. So if I'm measuring with this, is God going to measure back with this? You may say, pastor, you're being redundant. Yes, it's a principle. <laughs> You know why? Because God has to say it over and over and over from Genesis to Revelation because we don't get it. So then I begin to learn and now I step out and boy, I'm living by faith. I am giving because now, hallelujah, this is, I, I love God. I'm not just saying it, I'm obeying it. And guess what? I'm paying it. Whew. 
And I start giving to God. And guess what? People start looking around going, how are you so blessed? Well, it's because I pray 24 hours a day. No. Well, it's because I am so holy. No, there's none holy but God. It is because I understand that God does not change. His principles are true whether I obey them or not. And so the more I give and the more I measure out to God, guess what? The more he measures back to me. So I say it, obey it, and weigh it. And guess what? When I go into the prayer room, when I have a need in my life, I don't go in there as a thief. I go in as a son of the Most High God. I go in and my words carry weight in God's presence because I'm obedient. I don't just say I love you. I obey I love you and I weigh that I love you. So when I go into his presence and my, my wife has cancer, I don't go in there weak and timid and have to spend 30 minutes saying, God, forgive me. And God, I'm sorry I haven't done this, that. I walk into the bold room and, and Hebrew says, walk in boldly and lay your petitions at his feet. I walk in boldly and I begin to declare, God, your word declares that the same way I measure to you, you're gonna measure back to me. And God, today, I need healing with my wife with cancer. I need deliverance for my son. I need deliverance for my daughter. And I get on my knees and cry out and all of heaven begins to pay attention. And the angels go, what? And the father says, go down there and help that boy. He needs help. That's my son. And all hell is coming against him. But the Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, that God will raise up a standard of holiness against him. Why? Because I'm obedient to the word of God. I obey, I weigh. So when I say things, it carries weight in the presence of God. It's not just words that are empty. Today we're in relationships with each other. Isn't it horrible when somebody keeps saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, and never does anything to show it? You know in an instant, you don't love me. You really don't care because if you did, you wouldn't do this, you would do that. And so we have to make sure that our words carry weight. Say it, obey it, weigh it, pay it. Pay it. I choose how much I pay. I choose that amount. Now the first 10% I don't choose. God chose that. That's how much I bring. I choose how much I give. Because the blessings doesn't get until we get into the giving part. The bringing gets us out from under the curse. We're either blessed or we're cursed. And God says, I haven't destroyed you because I, the Lord, don't change. But I need you to return to me. And wouldn't it have been nicer if he had said, I want you to return to me with your worship. I want you to return to me with your prayers. I want you to return to me with your church attendance. I want you to return to me by getting involved in the local church. No, no. He said, I want you to return to me by bringing me what's mine. Don't touch my first stuff. It's not yours, it's mine. And I want you to bring it to me. 
That's how you return to me. You bring me what's mine and show me that you love me. And then you show me more by how much you give. We got to pay it. If I want a little, I give a little. It's that way in your marriage, isn't it? Your relationships, you get what you put in, right? I've always heard people say, well, the grass is greener on the other side. Well, that's because somebody's watering it. Your grass can be greener if you water it. You pay attention to your spouse, you build them up, you love them, you tell them you love them, and then you show them that you love them, and then your words carry weight because you pay, right? You sometimes, yeah, you, you sacrifice for those you love. Absolutely. God says we pay, then he pays. We can trust God with our soul, but we can't trust our God for our bodies, for our food, for our houses. Matthew 6, says this, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Yeah. God wants our heart. We don't want to break the heart of God. We want God to be pleased with us and embrace us and surround us with his love and to walk with us and talk with us and commune with us and fight for us and be for us and not against us and bring us joy and health and strength and, and peace to our homes and, and may, the, may, our, may we find favor in the eyes of our employers and all those things that we pray to God for. But if we measure little, God will give little. If we measure much, God gives much because of the indicative imperative motif. What we do, God responds to it. His words carry a lot of weight. They should in our lives. Today, my words will either carry a lot of weight in your heart or you'll walk out going, I'm trying to help everybody here. I want everybody here under the blessing of God. I do. As your pastor, I want God's blessings upon you. I pray for this church every day. You're in my prayers every day. Here's how I pray for you. God, I pray today that you will bless them. I pray today that everything they put their hand to will prosper. I pray that you would put peace in their hearts and minds. I pray that you would put peace in their homes, joy in their homes, grace and mercy in their lives, that they would find favor in the eyes of their employer and that God, they would honor you with everything that they do. I pray that prayer for you every day. I want you blessed. I want this church blessed. I want God to look at PCA and go, blessings, I'm gonna pour out, press down, shaking together, running over. The Bible says, not my words, God's words, that if we bring the whole tithe and the offering into the storehouse and test God, what will God do? He said, I will, watch this, I want you to get this. God says, if you bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, Test me, prove me. He said, then I will 
open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that you cannot contain. That's what I'll do for you. I want that. I want all this just piling up around me. I want everything that I do to be blessed. I want everything that you do to be blessed. I want God opening the windows of heaven over this church. I don't want God to, to close the window and shut the doors in our face. I want him to say, if you open the door, here's another one. If you open the door, I will come in and sup with you. Here's another principle of hermeneutics. It's called sowing and reaping. You cannot reap if you do not sow. We cannot go out into a field and go, oh God, I want watermelons and corn and I want all the, and then just go back in the house and go, well, I'm just believing, I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing. I got to tell you, you're not going to get anything. You can't come into the house of God and go, oh God, listen to me. I'm trying to give you truth today in love. You can come in and shout and pray and dance and fast all you want to. But if you don't sow, there's no seed to reap. You cannot reap without sowing. You cannot get a harvest if you have not put the work in the soil. We are dealing with truths here today. So this last week, I thought last week was all my message until this week. Then God began dealing with me. So last week I asked our office manager, I need some statistics of our church. I don't care about the other churches. There's a lot of churches watching right now by, by computers and by internet and by phones and everything else around the world. Our church reaches people around the world. I hope you know that. They watch our sermons and messages every week. But I, I'm not worried about them because I'm not pastoring them. I'm pastoring this church. So this week I asked our office manager, I need some statistics. I want to know where our church is when it comes to tithe. And so she did all the work, put all the numbers, crunched it all, slapped it all together, put it in one little deal, and she came back and said, Pastor, here's where we are. Today at PCA, current up-to-date giving, 25.6% of our church tithes. One out of four. Now that hurt my heart as a pastor. First of all, I want four out of four blessed. 100% blessed. And I know all the conversations. I've had them for 30 years. I know them. But pastor, we can't afford to tithe. I understand that. Been there, done that, had the conversation. But I also had the conversation with God. And God said, I don't care about the rest of your bills, but that 10%, buddy, that's mine. And don't you touch it. That's what God told me. And I, the Lord, do not change. And I guarantee if you have a conversation with God, he's going to tell you the same thing. That first is mine. So at the top of your expenses, it's not your house note. The top of your expenses is not your phone, not your car note, not your insurance, not all these other things. The top of your thing is I got to first of all bring it. I got to bring what's God to God. Then I get to choose how much I give. Because if I don't bring the 10%, I have not entered into giving yet. Not entered into it. It's not about equal giving, it's about equal sacrifice. Everybody has 10% of 100%. Everybody does. That amount will be different, but everybody's got it. We've got to say it, obey it, weigh it, pay it. So we're going from cursed to blessed. I'm just telling you truth. 
I want us to move in a place to where we begin to have weight when we call upon God. You begin to have, when we begin to pray for revival here in the near future, I want it to shake all of hell and wake up all of heaven. I want us to be able to cry out, oh God, pour out your spirit, bring deliverance, bring healing, set people free from addictions, give them life and not death and give them hope and not chaos. And I, I want us to be able to ring the bells of heaven and have an open window with God where God just goes, come on, let me pour out some more on you. Let me lavish you with my love because God wants to lavish you. He uses words like that when he talks about, I want to lavish you with love and pour out all these things, but, but I can't because the same way you measure to me, that's how I have to measure back to you. I can't measure the big shovel if you're measuring this. And how many know that God knows measurements? He measured heaven. He gave the exact measurements to Noah for the ark. He gave the exact measurements of the temple. This is how big to build it. This is what all to do. I mean, God is exacting into measuring. And guess what God does? He measures the intent of our hearts. He measures, do we really say it? Do we really obey it? Do we weigh it? Do we pay it? It's that simple. And if we do, God opens the windows. If we don't, he says, I need you first to return to me. I need you to return to me first. I don't need you to return to me with repentance. I don't need you to return to me with worship. I don't need you to turn to me with excuses. I don't need you to return to me with all the placades. I need you to return to me what is mine. I need you to bring it to me. I need you to bring it to me and show me how much that I am Lord. You see, we love Savior, but Lordship is a whole different thing. He's on the throne of your heart. He directs your footsteps. He directs your finances. He directs your relationships. He directs all your decisions. He directs everything in your life. And that's how we know where to go and what to do and what to say because he is in complete control. And when he is in control, then all these other things get straightened up. The most important topic is salvation in the word of God. The second most important topic in the word of God is money. Because he knows how much it is for us to be able to surrender that to God. Judas got in trouble. 30 pieces of silver. Ananias and Sapphira come marching into church, one of them at a time. She comes in, he comes in, separate from each other, and they lie to the Holy Spirit. And I wished it would have been less severe but in that moment, God struck them dead. Why? It's mine. It's not yours. We need to understand that. I want you to get these principles today because I, the Lord, do not change. I don't change. He's not ever going to change. The first principle is so relevant today. I want the first. I want your first fruits. I want your best. I want the lamb without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. When, when it was talking about getting ready for the Passover, what did he say? I want the first of everything. The firstborn, 
All the animals, I want it. It's mine. First child, mine. I want the first. I don't want the second. I don't want leftovers. God is not about bringing him a bone at the end of the day. Let me just see what I can find to toss in. That's, God's not about that. And so it's not the amount. Because I've had some people in my churches that they, they would give 10, 15, 20 thousand dollars, but it still wasn't even close to tithing. But they love for everybody to see them. Remember when Jesus was taking up the offering in the, in the temple and these big, big givers, movers and shakers in the town come through, kapush, rattled it real good. Aren't you impressed, Jesus? No. Till a little widow came by and she gave everything she had. She placed it in there and Jesus stopped the service and said, this woman has just given more than all of you put together. What? Yeah, she gave all. Everything she has is right there. Today, is he Lord? I want him Lord of your life. I want him Lord of this church. And as your pastor, I want you to hear my love for you. I love you. I want you blessed beyond all measure. That's how I pray for you. But my prayers are not going to be answered if we don't get first things first. 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 And so this morning, we're going to take up the offering but we're going to take a moment before we get there. Because the Bible says that we are to pray and to decide what we are going to give. I don't have to decide the 10% because I can do math pretty good. I'm pretty good with math. Dollar, 10 cents. Hundred dollars, 10 dollars. God gave me easy math. He didn't go 9.73% or anything like that. 10%. But I have to decide in my giving, not my bringing. So the bringing, it's a done deal, 10%. The giving, I got to decide how I'm going to measure. Some of you might be here today and you've never tithed. And you go, you know what, Pastor, we've never done this before, so we don't know what to do or how to do it. Well, I want you to talk about it. You may be here today and you go, Pastor, I know tithing is what we should be doing, but we're not. Then you need to stop and get things right. I mean this with all my heart. This church, think about it. All the things that we are doing in this church, in this community, and missions around the world, what could we do if 100% tithed? We're doing everything that we're doing on, 10, on four people out of 12. 25%. Four people out of 16. My math just got messed up. Four out of 16. 25 out of 100. So when we come into the house, one out of four walks out, having given God, brought it to God. Three out of four walk out, didn't bring it. That bothers me. It hurts my heart. I love you. I want this church to get in the right position for God to open the windows over this house. I told you today was about teaching. I'm not, I'm not expecting shouting. I'm not expecting you to leave here and go, Pastor, that was the most phenomenal message I've ever heard. But I do want you to leave here today and go, boy, that was truth and that was hard and that was straight. Pastor, did not pull any punches on us today. I never pulled punches with my kids. I want to tell them the truth. 
I love you, and I'm telling you the truth. So now, right now, what the ushers are going to do, they're going to hand out this little red thing right here. How many of you believe that we ought to take God at his word? Oh, you got quiet on me. Come on. I believe we all need to test God. God says, test me. We're going to test God. I want everybody to take this card. I want you to look at it. We're going to have a minute to pray over it. But here's, here's what it says. The God challenge. This is not the PCA challenge. This is God challenge. This is you challenging God. You ever been that bold to challenge God? I have. Put him to the test. He says, test me and see if I will not prove myself to be truthful. From now till Easter is seven weeks. This card says, I commit to bring my first fruit, my tithe, for the next seven weeks. Seven weeks, test God with your tithe. And if God does not prove himself to be faithful and true, we will give every bit of it back to you. Is that a pretty good deal? If after seven weeks you come and say, God failed us, God did not do anything in our lives, God did not show anything, I want my seven weeks of tithe back, we'll give it back to you. But I believe God will show himself faithful to you. And it's not always financial. I told you last week, the greatest blessing in my life, both my kids are in the house of God. 